It's Friday, September 8th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, beginning on Monday, September 25th, we are going to start a new feature on the Defender Podcast. Mondays will become Monday Bible Study. Many people may already know, but since 1981, Lifeline staff has gathered together every Monday morning to have Bible study together as a staff, and then every other day of the week, we've gathered together every morning for prayer time. Several people over the years have asked if they could somehow be a part of this Bible study. Currently on Monday mornings, we actually do a live simulcast of Bible study and prayer to all of our state offices and satellites so that every staff member and team member of Lifeline can participate. Well, beginning on the 25th, we are going to start every Monday giving you a bridged version of Lifeline's Monday morning Bible study on the podcast. And this Bible study will traditionally be led by either myself or Blake Wilson, our Director of Operations, or Dr. Rick Morton, our Vice President of Engagement, or Josh Caldwell, the Director of our International Adoption Program, or maybe David Wooten, our Florida State Director. Currently, on Monday mornings, we're reading the book Ordinary, How to Turn the World Upside Down, which was written by Tony Morita. Tony and Kimberly are lifeline adoptive parents from Ukraine and Ethiopia, and together they, they pastor Imago Day in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so for the next several days, I thought we would feature the most recent Monday morning Bible studies um, on the book Ordinary on the podcast so that we can catch you up on what our team has been going through on Monday morning. So today we welcome Dr. Rick as he introduces the book Ordinary by Tony Morita. All right. This is Rick Morton, and I'm really excited about us delving into uh, the book Ordinary by my friend, Tony Morita. Um, really have enjoyed the privilege of getting to be a part of this story with Tony over the years and, and seeing the progression of many of the things that the Lord used um, in order to bring this, this book to fruition. Um, one of the things Tony mentions in the book is, is this idea of um, the fact that Jesus is interested in justice. And I think in, in many um, conservative evangelical churches, that's been a, a notion that we've kind of struggled with over time, that, um, that really and truly we've, we've sort of seen the, the, the telling of the gospel and evangelism separate from or separated from um, the doing of the gospel or, or the living out and the living of the implications of the gospel. And one of the things I really appreciate about the way that Tony approaches this, um, both in his preaching uh, and, and in his life, life is uh, is that he refuses to acknowledge that false dichotomy um, and that for many years there there has been this seeming theological tension that we've um, that we've sort of not dealt with well where um, many churches and many pastors have been afraid to engage in in things that are social justice um, in the name of the gospel because they're afraid at some point they're going to lose the gospel. And, and I think that he, he rightly in this book points out the fact that Jesus didn't live in that tension. 
that um, throughout the book of Luke that we see, for instance, that Jesus is is always either going to a meal or coming from a meal, and that that Jesus isn't this figure that sometimes we see hung on uh, maybe our grandmother's wall. The picture, you know, the one where Jesus has sort of the the long hair and the blue eyes and sort of this aloof look on his face that's kind of very r- removed. But when we look at the New Testament, what we see is is that Jesus was really um, deeply in, engaged in the lives of people and that he loved being with people and that that ultimately he came and lived and died for for us and, and for people. And so um, there's a sense that when we love what Jesus loves and we care about what Jesus cares about, um, that means that we're going to to love and care about people and that and that that's going to draw us to to loving and caring about those who are who are least able to care for themselves. And so, um, you know, with that, I, I think that we, we reach the, the idea of the, the subject of justice and, and what does it mean um, for, for the church to engage in, in justice? Um, Evan, Evan Burke, he, he talks about the quote in, in the book. Evan Burke um, said that all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And unless we think that that's just a, a notion that is a good contemporary saying, um, it's also a biblical idea. We can look in um, into the the book of Kings in First Kings um, chapter twenty one and the story about Naboth's vineyard. And if you go there and, and take a look at that story in detail, what you're going to find is that that Naboth was a was a vineyard owner, and that King Ahab um, wanted Naboth's vineyard, and he he desired it for himself. And so he goes to Naboth and he, and he makes a deal with him. And he says, um, Naboth, I'll give you the finest vineyard and the best land in, in the entire country. Everything that, 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 that I have, I'll give you the best of it if you will give me your vineyard. And, and Naboth um, rebuffs the king. And he basically says, um, King, I, I don't want to give you my land because this means something to me and it means something to my family. And so, um, and so I'll, I'll just keep my land. Thank you for your offer. Thanks, but no thanks. And, and so what we see is that, that, that Ahab goes back to the palace and he, he just acts like an impetuous child, right? Like a child that's, that's asked for something and, and, and parents have, you know, have told him no. And so he goes and he lays in his bed and he cries and he, he pines away because he didn't, he didn't get this thing, um, that he, that he asked for. And so we, we see that, um, that, that Jezebel then comes into Ahab and, and, and tries to find out what's wrong. And, and then Jezebel sets about a plot, um, where she, she basically, um, writes a letter and and accuses Naboth of of treason in order um, that that he would be convicted and in order that he would be killed so that his land could be given to the king. But the, the thing that's really remarkable about the story of Naboth is is not the actions of Ahab or the actions of Jezebel. We kind of expect that based on everything else that we we see about them and that we know about their character from how they're presented in the scriptures. The the people that it's that are really remarkable in that story are the are the people of the town and the people of the village around Naboth, um, and that Naboth's friends and neighbors who knew that that the king and queen were lying about him and that knew that these charges weren't true, that they stood by and they did nothing. 
And we're, we're reminded here that, that part of our responsibility as the people of God is, is not just that we step into places where, where we know that there is evil or we know that there is wrong. And when there's a lack of justice, when it, when it personally affects us or matters to us, but we have a responsibility to stand for justice and to stand for truth in all places. And, and, and so what that means is, is that, that you and I in the ordinary um, day and week and, and the ordinary activities of life that we experience, that, that we really have to be intentional about living out um, God's justice and living out the, the justice on, on behalf of God as the hands and feet of Jesus. And so it means things like not, like not investing in companies that we, do, we know do things to, to harm people and to, to take away from them and steal from them. It means buying fair trade products. It means not buying chocolate that's, um, that, that's been made at the hands of slavery. It means, it means going a little bit deeper as believers to say that we're going to live and act and spend and, and that we're going to use everything and leverage everything that's in our lives and, and, and our, in, at our disposal um, to be able to live out the, the values of who Jesus is and ultimately to seek justice on behalf of those who can't seek justice for themselves. Um, another verse that Tony refers to in this chapter is Micah six eight, um, and and it, it, Micah six eight reminds me of of Isaiah one seventeen. They're they're very similar kinds of verses, and and in the book of Isaiah, in in Isaiah one seventeen, Isaiah says um, that we're to to do good, to love mercy, um, and to seek justice. And, and that that's what's required of us as God's people. But, you know, we think about the context that, that Isaiah was writing into and the context that he was living in. He was living among the people who had not done this. They'd victimized orphans and widows and sojourners. They had, um, they had allowed those peoples to be, to be enslaved. They had allowed bad things to happen to them and they didn't protect those who couldn't protect themselves around. And God God raised that charge against the people. He's saying that, that like, here's one thing I have against you. I have against you that, that you've not sought the good of those who can't help themselves. And so as believers, I think we're, we're, we're placed into a position where we remember that as we seek justice for, for orphans and widows and outsiders and for those who have no rights or have limited rights, for those who have no voice, that, that essentially what we're doing for them, when we're doing for them, we're putting the gospel on display. Why? Because, right, Jesus came um, for us and that when we could do nothing to help ourselves, when we couldn't provide for our own redemption, that Jesus came and lived and died and paid for our redemption. And that as we, as we see these little tangible pieces um, of, of injustices um, made right, what, what we're able to point to is we're, we're able to point to the, to the greater sense of the character of who our God is and, and what he does and how he's provided for his creation. I use the illustration sometimes that we love to take our kids to Sam's because uh, because we love our kids love the samples that they give out right at Sam's. Well, well, Sam's doesn't intend that we're going to bring our family to to the store and like try to have lunch by going around all the sample carts over and over and over again. The reason that Sam's gives out samples is because they want you to buy that like big fifty pound bag of whatever it is that you're sampling and and it's and it's sort of true um, 
of that of things like orphan care and care for widows and and seeking of justice what we're doing is we're we're righting earthly wrongs that are that are ultimately a result of the curse of sin um, but we're also righting earthly wrongs for those who can't care for themselves and it's like we're putting a taste on the lips of people of what the coming kingdom of God is like and so we're pointing to our king and we're saying we live unto another king into a different king into a better king and we have citizenship in another kingdom and that's why we do what we do and oh by the way let us point to the fact that one day our king is coming back and he's going to make all of this right and he's going to banish sin and he's going to he's going to finish his work completely and so that privilege that we have um it is is not a privilege to be discounted but it's a it's a privilege to be treasured and to be worked out and and so what does it look like for us as believers um to to do that work of of placing a taste on the lips of people of the kingdom of god well one one thing that tony reminds us is is that we just honor the imago day the image of god um that resides in and on every person that that every person that that we know every person that we encounter um is is created in the image of god and so for for children and for adults who who don't have a voice, who are marginalized, who are victimized, who um, that that as we seek justice for them, we're, we're doing it because we're honoring and saying that they're valuable because they're they're created in the image of God. We're we're also um, well aware and and consistently aware that that as we um, as we live out justice, that we're pointing to to the doctrine of redemption. That, that we believe that Jesus came um, to rescue and to save and to redeem that which was lost when when we were sojourners and away from God and 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 wandering spiritually um, that that God has through Jesus has redeemed us and has brought us into his family and and has made us part of his own and so when we do um, these sorts of things what we acknowledge is is that the gospel has the the power to to restore and to redeem and that and that in redemption as we do little acts of redemption we're pointing to to the greater redemption that Christ has done and then then finally we 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 point to the doctrine of restoration and Tony does a great job of reminding us that that the power of the gospel is not only to to redeem and to um, to take back that which is God's, but it's also to restore what it is that's broken. We at we at Lifeline um, have a program that we work with churches to develop um, called Families Count, and and that program is built around the idea that um, families who have lost their kids into foster care, or maybe families who are in danger of losing their kids into foster care that that really the hope of those families is not the system it's not it's not judges it's not courts but ultimately their hope is found in the gospel and that we believe that if families are going to truly be transformed and are truly going to be rescued um, that, that they can be rescued when when the church brings the gospel to bear in their lives and so um, so what we see is that um, that that by bringing an act of justice by by bringing an act of 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 peace into the lives of those people that the power of the gospel to restore their family exists and we're pointing to that um with our with our very lives so we're really excited about the study that we're um that we're doing through ordinary and and i I think the the one admonition as we close today is that um 
that the Lord gives us all kinds of opportunities every day in the places that we buy gas and groceries and in the places that we do recreation and in the jobs that we go to and in our kids' schools and in extracurricular activities. And that, and that as we live out the gospel in those normal rhythms of life, in those normal places, um, that the Lord gives us opportunity over and over and over again um, to be able to seek justice for those those who can't care for themselves and to point to him um, as the source of sufficiency in our lives. And so we look forward to, to the study for the rest of um, the rest of this term and hope that you'll en- you'll join us. Thanks for listening to the Defender podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.